0: Case study 0034, Sinbad and the War of the Furies, with Josh Weinstein. On a treasure hunt gone wrong, modern-day adventurer Sinbad accidentally releases the Furies, three beautiful but terrible ancient beings powerful enough to threaten life on Earth. Good God. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm fucking great. Oh my God, that's so good to hear.
1: Yeah, I feel amazing. I look amazing.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> I feel so amazing. That's true. <laughs> how did this movie treat you?
1: I would say it changed my life for wow. the better. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. Do you mind expanding on that a little bit? Nope. End of podcast. <laughs> 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 that's fair. I got to be honest with you. I just watched this like two days ago and I barely remember it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a real sort of like hallmark of the asylum movies. (laughs) It's like they make movies that are not just like delightfully bad and Mm -hmm. you can like have a blast making fun of them. But like they're so pointlessly bad that they evaporate as you're watching them.
0: It's true. It's that's exactly what it is. You're right. But, you know, I mean, that said,
1: I think that uh, they probably had a lot of fun
0: making them. Oh, my God. They had a blast. Are you kidding me? Especially this movie. (laughs) All right. So the movie starts off and they're in a cave. One thing I did not realize until the end of the movie when I looked it up is that it's a sequel. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) It explains the fact that there was so much talk about stuff that previously happened that I had no idea what they were talking about.
1: Well, Wait, like specifically what?
0: Oh, you know, my dad did this stuff and I can't believe that your dad stole my one thing and blah blah blah. It's like they were they went through the storyline of the previous movie. I'm assuming I didn't see the previous movie but they had so much references to it like the girl that he, the love interest, she was like, I'm sorry my dad's a prick. He did all this stuff and that kept coming up like we were supposed to know this or something. I don't
1: know. That's interesting because like from what I could tell the whole movie was just this weird like simulacrum carbon copy of a carbon copy of a carbon Mm -hmm. copy Mm -hmm. of like Indiana Jones. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, sometimes they would take what happened in Raiders of the Lost Ark and do an inversion of it. Sure. Mostly they would just do like a really cheap reproduction Mm. of some kind so like it starts off in a cave you know you've got like the little mini adventure (laughs) Mm -hmm. just like in raiders like you have um an adventure in the amazon right in this sinbad movie what the fuck was it called again sinbad something sinbad
0: and the war of the furies
1: and the war of the furies so yeah so they're in a in a very green screen cave (laughs) yep which is apparently in Mexico,
0: I guess? Yes, it is Mexico. Because, because that's Perseus, where Perseus.
1: <laughs> from Greek myth.
0: Yep, uh-huh.
1: Uh, had a treasure hoard. Mm-hmm. And this, our main dude, Sinbad, his name is just mm-hmm. Sinbad and he lives in the modern world.
0: Was it though? Because that was confusing me too. They called him Sinbad. They kept calling him Sinbad.
1: Okay, so here's the thing about Cinnabon. The, okay. um...
0: Wait, is it Sinbad uh, or
1: Sinabad? Okay, so the guy Ace, uh, one of yeah. his one of his two sidekicks who's like uh-huh. a rich antiquities expert, although our guy is also somehow an antiquities expert. Right. Ace who's like a collector of all of Sinbad's looted artworks. Like Fully, he is exactly what, like, Steven Spielberg doesn't want you to think about Indiana Jones. He is literally a grave robber who sells Mm -hmm. shit on the black market for his own personal gain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no, like, higher code that he lives by. So, So Ace, the expert guy, is able to tell him about his family history being the descendant of the Sinbad of legend which was alternately called Sinbad Sinabad Sindbad, uh-huh. uh-huh. and Old Sindbad, Right. So that like you know the viewer at home could differentiate. Is confused at all
0: times Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. There was so much exposition in every scene I was like I don't I'm. I'm not even going to listen. I don't care. I'm just going to tune you out because I don't care. Like they're in the cave and he's like, let me tell you about Perseus and why his treasure is in Mexico. And it was such utter nonsense and bullshit. I was just like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Just keep talking. I'll just look at the stuff. So
1: wait, can you tell me the main guy that played Sinbad? Yeah. John Hennigan. Yeah. Was he in the first Sinbad Asylum movie?
0: I believe so. I don't want to say for sure, but I believe so. I also think he was a professional wrestler and that's how he got the job. Yes. Yeah.
1: Which is like, okay, so here's the thing. Yeah. You know, when I was like a little kid, I, I followed professional wrestling mm-hmm. and I loved it. And uh, this guy is definitely like, his tenure comes like long after my major fandom. But despite the fact that I no longer follow professional wrestling, I have huge admiration for the performance art that is professional wrestling.
0: Absolutely.
1: I just want to foreground all the terrible things I'm going to say about this guy's performance. (laughs) In this movie, I strongly believe that he is capable of so much more.
0: Yes. Oh, absolutely. There's one fight scene where I was pretty much checked out of the movie and the fight scene came up and I was like, holy shit, this is beautiful. He knows what he's doing. So I give him respect for that.
1: Let me ask you a question. It seems like the actors have never seen the script before, like (laughs) five to 10 minutes before the scene is shot. Sure. Yeah. They're fighting to keep their dialogue (laughs) in short term memory, like long enough to get it out of their mouth.
0: Right. No, that sounds fair. That sounds like it was exactly what was happening. Yeah. There's
1: nothing natural. I have to assume that all of these actors have natural charisma in life (laughs) and that they also have it on the screen in other projects. Mm -hmm. But that does not
0: does not translate. There's no
1: evidence of it. Yeah.
0: The previous movie that it's a sequel to is a Hercules movie. And here's the vibe I got from this movie. The director was like, oh, by the way, this movie was a comedy, quote unquote. I feel like the director was a huge fan of Sam Raimi and was like, let's do a Hercules movie. And then the guy that got to play Hercules was like, fuck yeah, I can do Bruce Campbell. And none of that happened. So close and yet so very far from all of that.
1: Yeah, I strongly agree. I mean, I think that there are aspects of the production that... Lean almost to the point of like winking and mm-hmm. nodding at loving Sam Raimi. The three actresses that play Furies, mm-hmm. they basically are Cleopatra 2520.
0: Yes, absolutely. Did he direct and, that?
1: Uh, I, he produced it, okay. I think I'm pretty sure. You I don't know, There know. are so many of those like straight to syndication TV shows that he made like 25 years ago that were like. Right. The Daring Dragoon, Mm. you know, like he did Hercules and Xena, of course, but then based on the success of those shows, they were like, well, we can do lots of stuff that's kind of like this and a little bit different. Yes, You know, like a lot of the fun that comes in those tv shows and movies is that and this is also true for like buffy and angel Mm -hmm. is that you could just use a cheap looking halloween costume (laughs) and say this is a demon and like that's fun yes absolutely treat it real Mm -hmm. if you treat it this has full integrity yeah and everyone accepts it then like the guy who literally just has (laughs) you know spirit Halloween makeup on his face. Right. He is a demon. By that same token, a movie like this has sort of that same fun approach to production.
0: Yes. I feel like this movie kept Pier 1 Imports in business the year that it was made. (laughs) Yeah,
1: clearly like uh, 75% of this movie was shot in three people's apartments. (laughs) That they did nothing to set dress. No at all they were just like okay this will work great and so did you say that your next door neighbor is going to be out for an hour
0: (laughs) (laughs) the treasure that they get to is just a bunch of vases it's just a bunch of ceramic vases and a, a ton of plastic coins there's no denying that this was not a well thought out dressing there it was just so Oh boy, I don't even know. It's it was so beautiful how much it was not what it was supposed to be. Well, it's really weird,
1: right? Like you want you, you need some device to fuel the story engine, mm-hmm. right? Like the MacGuffin, you know, sure, there's sure. like the fucking priceless object, the nuclear bomb, the like state secrets, whatever it is.
0: This one just happened to be a bunch of rhinestones in resin. So <laughs>
1: Also, like, the point of which was alternately it's worth a lot of money Mm -hmm. or it has this, like, they tried to get, I don't want to say spiritual, but they tried to get a little bit elevated in their thinking when they were talking about how hatred perpetuates itself and Mm -hmm. trying to, like, break the cycle of hatred.
0: Right.
1: There is something very thoughtful that almost happened in that exploration.
0: As Indiana Jones has Christianity and its weird trinkets, <laughs> this movie had ancient Greece and whatever, the ancient Greek gods and stuff, which a perfect parallel to what they were doing. And that was fun. And even at the end, I loved the science of the stupid heart where she's like, right. oh, well, it's because of this and this. And it's that it, it's all real. The whole Medusa thing is real because of science. Love that because magic is nothing but science that hasn't been proven yet.
1: Right, but then like the idea that like it's it's such a like seven year old's version of like <laughs> making science and magic work together. Like, okay, so like Medusa's real, mm-hmm. and her heart is like the thing that makes like y- you turn to stone. And so like if you can chip off a tiny piece of her heart and shoot it into someone, and like it'll fucking ionize their blood and turn <laughs> them to stone. Hey,
0: it wasn't perfect. I just. I like that they tried to make it science <laughs> in the, the cave, we also meet the main bad guy, I guess, for throughout the whole movie, who just wants these antiquities to make weapons. Which that's stupid, just make weapons.
1: Also, like, how is that a better yeah. use of like time or money than like other existing weapons?
0: Thank you, just get weapons that exist just because it's new or old what no just get weapons it's stupid
1: also why is he and two guys <laughs> if he's like a world-class arms manufacturer um, and dealer russian oligarch of sorts uh-huh why is he the boots on the ground with his one-eyed bodyguard who's the cyclops and then right. like another random dude who just is an extra with a gun? <laughs> it's-
0: Yeah, I I don't have an answer for that.
1: And how is it that they are literally just two minutes behind Sinbad (laughs) and his first sidekick? And what's the first sidekick's name? Do you have that? I don't know, I have no idea.
0: I didn't get the woman's name until like almost the end of the movie. They didn't say her name once until the guy guessed it. It was Jax,
1: which is short for Jacqueline. Right. Yeah. Here's a question that you might ask yourself for the entirety of the movie. Why is this muscle hunk smiling regardless of what's happening emotionally in the character or actively in the scene?
0: Because it doesn't matter. He's the tough guy. (laughs) He's going to win in every situation, dude. Okay. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, so he got the Medusa's heart in the cave, right?
1: Right, he gets the Medusa's heart and then the Russian oligarch guy, who I think is described as like a dandy, except that like he's clearly just wearing...
0: A pink polo,
1: yeah. Yeah, a pink polo shirt with a random blazer over Mm -hmm. it. I wouldn't really call that the look of a dandy.
0: No. Oh, he also had an ascot. That was probably what it was.
1: Oh, well...
0: No, but okay, but here's the thing. That was my response as well. Like, why are you calling this? His suit jacket does not fit him well. A dandy would make sure that his suit jacket fit well. It was all the upcoming. Yeah, he's
1: no Bo Brummel.
0: No, it was all a setup. For the big joke towards the end where they... The
1: Furies are like this force of rage, of female rage.
0: I mean, who it? And he
1: is immune to their powers because he has the alternate powers of homosexuality and misogyny (laughs) working for him. So...
0: And it's all played to great laughter. It's the most hilarious thing that this guy is gay. Can't you just let him be gay and not make it a joke? Dudes... Well, okay, let's, let's just like
1: put a pin in that for a second okay. and accept the idea that the Furies have great power, mm-hmm. but it's useless on you if you have both homosexuality and misogyny on your side.
0: Sure. That's a huge downfall.
1: Okay, now so here's the thing. This is for your classics scholars listening to the podcast. If you were living in ancient Greece... I think it goes without saying that both homosexuality and misogyny were on your side at all times.
0: Absolutely. Without a doubt.
1: The idea that they have been like stuck in a Mexican cave for (laughs) 2,000 years or 3,000 years or however long it has been. The world that they came from, I don't think they would have had any power whatsoever.
0: No, not at all. It makes zero sense. The guy that killed them was obviously a misogynist. What's the end game here? Ladies, what's your power? You have no power. I mean, no, I'm not even, no, there's zero power there. And even the the henchmen, you know, they're full misogynists. they're henchmen.
1: Right, but what if they're not gay?
0: Oh, you have to be gay and a misogynist?
1: I think so, because he explicitly says, like, uh, what is that? What are you supposed to do for me? Like, you don't even have a penis for me to play with.
0: That's true, right?
1: That's literally dialogue from this
0: movie. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so they take the Medusa's heart or whatever to this black market lady who's going to give him money for it and sell it off. And that's where he meets Ace for the first time. This is where he, like, goes into his history and it's all whatever and he gives Sinbad this medallion and he's like oh my god you look just like this guy on the medallion and he's like oh I don't know I kind of look like it and throughout the whole movie he's like oh my god you look just like that guy in the medallion they never show the medallion not once
1: yeah I mean there are like several instances of alluding to something in dialogue that doesn't happen on the screen I hate it For example, the Furies at one point are described as having, like, turned into birds and flown away. But (laughs) instead, the effect that they use was just, like, they disappear.
0: Okay, thank you. I thought maybe I looked away or something. But no, no, it was no. Yeah, there was a lot of exposition and talk.
1: Yeah, so the budget for, like, the special effects got considerably smaller than they had hoped for. So wait, before they go to the black market, right after the cave, where we meet 80% of the cast, (laughs) there's like a little credit sequence, which I found to be charming. Did you notice that?
0: Delightful. Right? Mm -hmm. But it also is like, oh, this is going to be a comedy. Oh, no.
1: I mean, it had sort of the like look and feel of like an I Dream of Genie" type Mm -hmm. thing.
0: Absolutely. It was very cute. It
1: was was super cute. Okay, so then they go to the black market. They meet Ace and Lita. Lita is the woman who runs the black market. Ace, I swear to God, like, does he just have a speech impediment? Or, like, did nobody tell him, like, how to to pronounce anything? (laughs) He also calls a scimitar a (laughs) skimitar.
0: See, I just assumed that he was saying it the fancy way, because I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I'm just an idiot, is what I assume.
1: I mean, look, (laughs) anything's possible. I I don't know. I think that just...
0: No, you're probably right.
1: I think he said it wrong once, and they're like, ah, we can't possibly (laughs) shoot another shot and tell him to do it over.
0: Just go with it. Just pretend like that's how you say it. All right, you guys... Okay, I think next we go to his shitty Mexican apartment and his old love interest is there or no, she comes in.
1: I, Wait, are they supposed to be in Mexico? Yeah. they Like he lives in Mexico? Yeah,
0: like he's been there looking for this stupid cave that he found like in two minutes. He's been looking for that forever. And I, I, mean, I think, I don't know, but he that was his apartment for sure. And that was definitely Mexico. You could tell because the stove was small. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you could tell it was Mexico. I think that's what they were inferring. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. But she comes in. We get her whole story about how she doesn't want to fall in love again. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares? We get it. It's Marion. That's fine. <laughs> She's going to help him reform himself and stop being a thief and be boring. I don't know. I don't. Again, there was so much exposition in this scene. I was just like, I don't do fun stuff now, please. And he like literally throws her out. And I think the next scene, he's having a college party in his apartment with his buddy. And they're like college friends on their couch with like tapestries behind them. They all looked drunk or high. Like it was this scene. I feel like I lived this scene 30 years ago or something. (laughs) It was gross. And I hated it.
1: Yeah, clearly just one of three apartments they had available.
0: Exactly. And then I guess everyone leaves and that's when the Furies show up.
1: Cleopatra 2525.
0: I don't like that they're called the Furies because I can't hear the Furies without thinking of baseball Furies and they just (laughs) didn't live up to it.
1: Yeah, which itself is based on the tale of Xenophon.
0: I had no idea.
1: Yeah, The Warriors, the classic 1970s New York City film Mm. by Walter Hill is a filmmaker. So the Furies, uh, the Baseball Furies, are (laughs) one of many gangs in The Warriors. Let's just talk about The Warriors. Oh, that's a good idea.
0: Oh, my God. It's so fun. There's all these gangs and they have to meet up in this one place. So fun.
1: So, yeah. so, So that's the tale of Xenophon who has to travel into Persia. And then his army is trapped behind enemy lines and has to battle to get back home. Yeah, it's... What yeah.
0: a genius retelling of that story. That's so cool. I love that. All right, so they're gone. Furies leave. They threaten them. I don't know. I don't remember. I'm looking at my notes because I don't remember this movie. But the next scene, they go to Lyda's house. I don't remember how they found out, but she's dead.
1: Jax appears and is like, it's Lita, she's dead. And then they go to the shed where like the police are still like (laughs) taping it off. Somehow Jax knows this already. And then it's like, oh, they think it's an animal attack.
0: Right, right. But maybe you're right. Maybe this was somewhere in America because the cops were all white and the cop car said police, not like policia or whatever.
1: Also, it looked like they had stuck Letters onto a random car to (laughs) spell the word police.
0: Yep. Totally. It's just
1: like stick ons.
0: But they. God. Because they had to take a boat to LA because they couldn't be stopped by cops or whatever because he's wanted. This. God damn it.
1: So the amazing thing about when they get to Los Angeles, let's just cut to that okay. for a second. sounds good. Because, like, who fucking cares? Right. <laughs> um, they go to L.A., and the first thing they do is they're just in a very nondescript diner, a breakfast diner. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then immediately outside that is, like, a very fake-looking shantytown <laughs> black market. Yep. That is, I guess, the underground LA uh stolen antiques and jewelry
0: market (laughs) yeah you know you've been there right (laughs) no you haven't been there
1: yeah I mean you know like nothing says Los Angeles to me quite (laughs) quite (laughs) quite like I'm gonna get a breakfast burrito and then shop for stolen jewelry
0: (laughs) and it's all antiquities in this little shanty town because everyone knows where to get them. It's right there.
1: And then, like, it's clearly not the same location, but they round the corner and they're just inside an outdoor storage facility.
0: Right. Yep.
1: You know, the kind that have, like, sort of those garage door.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The giant storage facilities. Yeah. Because that's where shantytans oh. live.
1: And then we encounter Ace again.
0: <laughs> no, we we encounter his driver who's been tailing them for some reason.
1: Uh, holy shit. I took no notes on the driver
0: because <laughs> he was in the movie for like five seconds. One thing I did want to mention about their boat ride there, which was again uneventful, was Sinbad is like, I only like science. I don't like magic and mythology. And so his lady friend is like, Oh, you want science? Okay, come here. I'm going to teach you about numerology. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Oh, like another thing about their boat trip is in the edit, they did one of the things that I joke about, but I swear to God is the best fucking, when you have nowhere to go as an editor yeah. to like progress time, but you're still in the same space. They literally cut to the flag. <laughs> so there's like, you know, an Amer- like an American flag off the tail of the boat they just cut to it for a second or two, and then we understand, like, time has passed.
0: <laughs> I didn't notice because it was so flawless.
1: Right, that's, mm-hmm. oh, that's but Oh my sounds. God,
0: you know what? We keep saying nothing happened on that boat ride, but so much happened on that boat ride. Nick, his bestie, goes overboard, and they're like, oh, that sucks, and then they just right? continue. Like, the next yeah. scene with them in the shantytown, Nick isn't there, and it's just like, what are you gonna do? Friends die.
1: Are the the Furies are also like sirens?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, and, that's what it seemed like. Yeah.
1: OK, so there's a siren scene mm-hmm. featuring the songs of the Furies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Nick, the sidekick, goes overboard.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Never to be seen or heard from again. Eh. Sinbad, is is he held down by Jax? Who's holding him down? Someone's holding him down.
0: Yeah. Jax holds him down and finds some stuffing from a pillow and stuffs it in his ears so he can't hear it. Which bullshit that wouldn't work, but fine, whatever.
1: Come on. That's like, <laughs> that's what they did in the Odyssey, I think.
0: <laughs> that's fair. Yeah.
1: So, so like, uh, you know, Odysseus and his crew uh-huh. roam for 10 fucking years. <laughs> A piece of water that, like, you can cross in two days. Sure. After already having been at war for ten previous years. Mm
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: And along the way, Mm -hmm. he's like, you know what? I want to hear the siren song. The rest of you (laughs) assholes, stuff your ears. (laughs) You're going to lash me to the mast.
0: I mean, I I get it. I don't blame him.
1: So anyway, we're in Los Angeles. (laughs) Nick's dead. Who cares? <laughs> Jackson Sinbad hit up the diner and then have a fight in the shantytown market, and then we run into Ace, the antiquities expert, who yes. I guess had a driver. Yes. But here's the thing that I wanna say. They just waste like an incredible amount of time what? having Ace be So here's 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 the thing. They mm-hmm. decide that he's going to be Billy D. Williams in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yep. He decides he's gonna be like a super charmer pickup artist type dude like
0: Mm -hmm.
1: he insists on guessing Jax's name and reading her palm and shit
0: what the fuck was that like it's never brought up ever how did he know her name how did he come up with her name like it what was that was I missing something or was it just totally random
1: so here is where intent and execution don't quite line up Okay. There are very few people in the world that can do what Billy D. Williams does.
0: <laughs> right.
1: I'm going to posit the idea that the writers of this movie have studied the works of the pickup artist Mystery, whose VH1 show I used to enjoy... <laughs> Do you know do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. He was like a magician guy that wore he was like a goth magician guy who's not Chris Angel, but he wore like a top hat and goggles over on the hat. Oh, okay, he's
0: steampunk.
1: Yeah. I mean kind of steampunk, but more like quasi-goth. And his whole shtick was being a pickup artist and teaching other sad sack schmoes techniques for how to like insult women so, oh, that,
0: no. so
1: that they would go with you yeah yeah there are like several things that he taught on that show initiate touch so he's like initiating touch by like reading the woman's palm you want to neg them it's like an insult but right. it's like not a super insult it's right. like oh hold on a second you've got like a bug in your hair let me get it out
0: or wow, like, you you'd be a better singer if you could do this but you're an okay singer it, you I could mean, just it's kind better. of like that.
1: Uh, I think you want to demonstrate your value. This is also very much in line with the Dennis system of pickup artistry as seen in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, OK. It's a parody of that exact thing uh-huh. uh, as as done by like a person who is like, a total sadist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this has been a fun digression. So he reads her palm, and that goes nowhere. And then they go into, he's supposed to be this super rich guy, but he also just lives in a shitty little apartment. (laughs) And then there's like random law books on one shelf. Yep. And Jax immediately recognizes them as books that were supposedly burned when the library at Alexandria was burned to the ground.
0: Right. He's what did like, he call? Oh, that's like, very
1: astute of you. Like <laughs> these are actually reproductions. The real ones I have in a safe.
0: Oh, those are reproductions. Those brand new books are reproductions. Thank you, sir.
1: These just like random, like the most boring looking legal <laughs> texts that yeah. you would literally just see in like the. You wouldn't see it in a lawyer's office. You'd see it in the commercial <laughs> for a shitty lawyer's
0: office. Absolutely, they have pff, whatever conversation, but he's like you guys need to go shower, you're gross. (laughs) And he kept saying you need to do it for her. And I don't think that was brought up again either. What, who? The the outfits they are wearing when they get back are so ridiculous and also bought at Pier One and some sort of prom store because the gown that she's wearing, she's like, oh my God, it's so elegant. It's so authentic and it's just like a prom dress. It's bullshit. And it made me mad because it didn't match. It was totally inauthentic in it. All right, I'll end. It's fine.
1: Yeah, no, I mean like they're, okay. So like it's kind of, it's like prom dress meets orientalism, but with no commitment to either like aesthetic.
0: It's like, dude, I hated it. It It's all rhinestones and mesh and it had a train. Why the fuck did it have a train? Come on, you guys.
1: So then they just play dress up for a super long time. And Jax is like, you know what? You guys go out. I'm just going to stand here and read a book.
0: (laughs) Right. No, they went on this huge boat trip to go see all these antiquities. But she's good with the book. She's fine.
1: So like they just walk outside in this like very nondescript apartment complex. (laughs) Take the stairs up to a different random apartment. Uh Ace has the lamp uh like aladdin's lamp
0: oh but before that he shows them cleopatra's ass and what a great ass she had dude i hate that guy i hate everyone why are you talking stop saying things i hate everything you're saying
1: yeah okay so there were like three different types of jokes that were attempted but did not work in this movie one was sort of like a classics pun that was like Cleopatra had a great asp um, which is stupid there were be, a lot you know of what like,
0: you know what sucked about that pun is he didn't even make it a pun he said it's Cleopatra's asp and then in the pun he didn't even use asp he said ass and I was like just do it as a pun you fucking asshole asshole ah! <laughs>
1: So like there's that and then what we haven't discussed yet they have what are supposed to be hilarious punchlines about Facebook
0: Uh or
1: or Instagram Mm -hmm. or something like that that are like au courant, (laughs) and they're just fucking dumb and they don't really land and I guess if you're watching this movie. And you're eight years old and you're like, you know, you're aware of things in the world, but like not engaging with them. Sure. That might be a good joke. Yeah. But like beyond that, I don't think so. And then the third is just like straight up homophobia. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Absolutely. Which is
1: just like and misogyny. Right, right, right. Usually together, Mm -hmm. but not exclusively.
0: So it's a fun movie is what we're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Honestly, the guy that plays the Russian oligarch slash arms dealer mm-hmm. slash dandy, <laughs> I thought he and the Cyclops henchmen were probably the best performers in this movie. I agree. I think that they weren't given that much to do, mm-hmm. but I think that they brought personality to their roles. Yes. And I enjoyed that a lot.
0: I agree. When we're in this antiquities room that Ace has, it's another instance of the set designer is so he's got his head up his ass this is supposed to be a room of antiquities of his asp oh you got me the way he's displaying these antiquities they're just like on side tables uh, a sofa table resting on an ottoman like these are antiquities you don't have them in cases or a fucking bookshelf what are you doing dude these are priceless this asp right. Is not, still that they, alive. not that they not that they
1: look the part, not that any of them look the part. Right. like they seriously were pure one imports. <laughs> West Elm. you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm.
0: So now we get to the genie right.
1: Okay, so here's the thing. Like yeah. I appreciate that they tried to make the genie's lamp into Le Marchand's configuration.
0: I did too. I thought that was a nice touch.
1: Yeah, I dig that because Ace even says this doesn't even work as a lamp. Right. Which is funny. Mm -hmm. And then a genie appears because Sinbad is great at everything. Of course. His fingers work magic.
0: (laughs) Gross.
1: And Ace kind of recognizes the genie dialect, but he's a little bit rusty.
0: That... Genie language was bullshit. They were not talking the same language. Ace was just like mumbling some nonsense. That was a fake ass language. They're like, you know, just, just make it up as you go along, dude. It's fine. It's not fine. It's. Hard. I
1: get that there's not much writing on it and that Tolkien wrote all of his books so that he could make up languages. Mm-hmm. And this is not that.
0: And he was not available to do the rewrites for this. I get that. Right.
1: Here's the thing, like, if I told you to speak fake Italian to me, (laughs) you could speak fake Italian to me. And then if I said, okay, now speak fake Spanish, switch to fake Chinese, switch to fake Gaelic.
0: This is going to get really offensive. You would have an
1: idea of what those things sound like and how they are their own thing separate from each other. Yes. You would imbue your gibberish with some unique quality for each of those things. Right
0: and with this, it was just a lot of heavy breathing on Ace's part. I felt like the genie was trying, but Ace was just like, Nope.
1: (laughs) So it's a very long conversation that is just just gibberish. Uh The crux of it is that Sinbad is pretending to be a rogue and a thief, but is Mm. actually a noble hero.
0: Right. And he has an air of arrogance. Huh.
1: So that is just a thing that happens, and then there's no further payoff no. on the fact that they have a genie. He's given some wishes, but...
0: But he, he refuses to use them. Yeah. Why would you refuse to use a genie wish? I don't understand that. It's not making you look noble. It just makes you look like an idiot.
1: So then they return to Jack's and Jax has, like, found the instruction manual for the Heart of Medusa (laughs) and literally declares that it is worth over $100 million.
0: (laughs) Is that what the book said?
1: Apparently. Apparently the lost tome from Alexandria (laughs) has a fucking dollar value for the Heart of Medusa along with, like, diagnostics and specs for it.
0: (laughs) I love that book. There's this whole scene of them just getting drunk off of expensive wine, I assume, because they don't show it, but whatever. And that was really boring.
1: No, the whole point of that is to show that Sinbad, among his many other great qualities, is a wine connoisseur (laughs) because Ace is going to serve them the 2005. Um, And he mm -hmm. says, oh, you don't have the 2003?
0: Oh, you got me there. And now we get to an ancient flashback of how the Furies exist. And it's because one of Sinbad's, I guess, ancestors killed these ladies and he sucks. And now they're mad and they want justice. (laughs) And that's when I wrote down, only 20 minutes left.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Where did this movie take us? Has it gone in like the direction of a plot arc of any kind? (laughs) It's more like things happen and then other things happen and oh shit there's 20 minutes left let's wrap it up
0: (laughs) the bad guys come the henchmen and the russian guys come now and they're like ha 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 we've got you now and there's all these scenes of them trying to get away and just like struggling and that's when i realized who jacks reminded me of or what jacks reminded me of she's like a human muppet all of her running scenes her arms are flailing like kermit oh wow her mouth agape she bothered me
1: you know as someone who loves muppets Mm -hmm. you know i feel like if i had seen that i would have felt more sympathetic towards her character
0: she's one of the bad muppets that always give the good muppets a hard time is what i'm saying
1: interesting are you saying like a waldorf and statler (laughs) because like they're the best
0: oh absolutely i meant more like No, you're right. Like a dark
1: crystal type Muppet?
0: Yes. The villain Muppets. I don't know. There's a whole thing in this movie with the number 333. There's three Furies. They come at 333 exactly every night. Right.
1: And if you add three plus three (laughs) plus three, and they they write it out and he checks her work, it turns (laughs) out that that equals nine.
0: Yeah, that was a good bit. I like that. Again, numerology, it's science.
1: Big time. Also, don't look directly into the heart of Medusa, which is like. Did
0: they say that? I don't even remember that.
1: There was definitely a don't look directly into it moment, which is, you know, I mean, yes, Medusa, but also Raiders.
0: Raiders of the Lost? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Everything is Raiders. There's like, there's literally a reverse sword twirling scene. Yeah, Mm -hmm. where the henchman pulls a gun on him Sinbad (laughs) twirls his scimitar Mm -hmm. and the guy accidentally shoots the scimitar and it
0: I forgot about that
1: and so the bullet bounces off the blade and shoots him
0: that was beautiful and yes I didn't even connect the two it was this whole movie they're like how can we make Indiana Jones but opposite
1: oh and by the way forgot to mention Jax has been working with Manta the whole time.
0: What? No. Manta
1: Manta is the name of the Russian oligarch.
0: Yep. The gay one. It's funny because he's gay.
1: Right. That itself is comedy. The name for the weapon is either the Medusa 2.0 or the (laughs) Gore Gun, which they discuss. Like the Medusa (laughs) 2.0, why not Gore Gun?
0: (laughs) I mean, it's right there. Right? They go back to the antiquities room in the middle of this fight before Jax is discovered to be bad and they ride on a fucking flying carpet. Fuck you guys.
1: Wait, did that happen? Yes. Uh, I neither have a, a note nor a memory.
0: Oh my God. They're like, Jax is like, come on, everything, there's a genie. The genie works. The magic carpet has to work. And he's like, I don't think the magic carpet's going to work. And guess what? does it just like takes him out the window and lands him on a hill that's it that was beginning and the end of the flying carpet
1: i i want to point out like i watched this movie only like a few days ago the fact that i have (laughs) no memory of that happening
0: no i saw it in my notes that's the only reason i remembered it and then we get back to his boat and discover shockers of all shockers nick was never dead he was pulled out of the water. I don't know when. Or I mean, where. Yeah. And he was like, oh, my girlfriend called the Coast Guard. How did she even know he went overboard? What the hell are you talking about?
1: Right. There's like some very confusing stuff in the beginning of the movie where like his girlfriend was going to come with him on the boat. But then because mm-hmm. Jax was coming... The girlfriend wasn't going to come. It's but if the girlfriend women. wasn't there, how did she pull him out of the water?
0: Oh, no. She had the Coast Guard. do She called the Coast Guard long distance and gave them coordinates.
1: Tis a puzzlement. Tis. Tis.
0: <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I think the last line in the movie is Nick saying, so uh can we go to Chile now? The end.
1: So that's the setup for the next sequel
0: oh probably
1: and also like why didn't they just say like no let's go to Chili's
0: thank you get
1: some apps
0: and some I a- know oh, you got it, you already
1: said it. <laughs> some apps and some apps
0: <laughs> get some avocado roll-ups I don't know what they have there
1: I don't know they um it's been a long time since I've been to a Chili's
0: Josh, do you have uh, a better title for this movie?
1: Since you have told me the title and I've already forgotten it, uh, <laughs> what, a Sinbad in the War of the Furies is the real title. Okay, so here's the thing. like Asylum movies ostensibly capitalize on the popularity of an existing thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But like don't use anything about about that existing thing in the movie. It's like they just slapped the name Sinbad on a movie that could have had a character named anything. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I, I think this movie could have used a lot more wrestling.
0: Oh my God. I would have loved that. Is that is that your title? This movie yeah. Could have used. <laughs> yep.
1: That's, that's my pitch.
0: I think that they should have just named it Hercules Reborn, the sequel, because... I didn't know it was a sequel till way too long.
1: How about literally nothing is at stake. Nothing
0: matters. (laughs) Fair. Do you have a favorite line from the movie?
1: It had extremely forgettable dialogue, but I will say that the I'll say that Manta and the Cyclops performances Mm. were my standout favorite moments. Uh, absolutely re- re- sort of regardless of what they had to say or do, mm-hmm. because unlike everyone else in this movie, like they were playing characters and playing them with integrity.
0: I agree. I wrote down so many lines.
1: Yeah. What have you got?
0: Oh my God. They were so ridiculous. As you previously mentioned, one of them was a Facebook line where they find Nick's phone that he dropped and the henchman says to Manta, you should log into his Facebook and say something stupid. Oh, come
1: on. Right? Which, by the way, you know, like a decade ago, yeah, that would have been hilarious, hilarious because that's literally what people were doing anytime someone left their phone unattended, go on their Facebook and write right. something like, love me, which was sort of the go-to line <laughs> of uh, of many of my friends uh, mm-hmm. when doing that to each other. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that's so sweet. Another one, I don't even remember what was happening in this scene, but I wrote it down because I hated it. Consider it my donation to the Snark Bitch Club. He probably gave something to Jax, I don't know. Screw the seven C's is another one. At one point, Manta calls women the newer sex. What the hell does that mean? I think
1: that's like Adam and Eve.
0: (laughs) Okay, but like by a couple days, what?
1: Yeah, I, it's unclear. Like, that was the best guess I had. And that's the sort of line that really takes you out of a movie because <laughs> you're really thinking hard to try to justify what this character could mean.
0: Right. Thank you.
1: The newer sex.
0: Come on. There's a classic line. Let's get out of here while they're running through the shanty town. I love that line in any movie. Always good. Yeah.
1: It's really kind of undermining of all the characters when we learn their backstories, like in the long exposition Mm
0: -hmm. given
1: in scene. You know, Sinbad is an idiot. He's like (laughs) he's simultaneously a super scholar who's been cheated by his mentor. Right. And like had his work stolen from him. And then he himself stole the university's entire Egyptian collection and sold it online. (laughs) It's explicitly said that he sold it online.
0: (laughs) I mean, where else are you going to go but eBay? Come on. Right.
1: (laughs) Look, uh, local pickup only.
0: (laughs) There was so much of the exposition that I was just, I start to listen and then I would get distracted. And then I'm like, I don't know if I care enough to keep listening. It, you can keep talking but let me know when something happens because you're doing this a lot so i probably miss out on a lot of the stories what i'm saying
1: yeah i mean these are movies that are hard to focus on even when you're like trying to be as forgiving as possible and just be like oh look it's a fun silly thing Mm. like don't worry too much about it just let it be what it is it's bad and it doesn't have to be so bad because no. it's like, here's the thing. It's hard to make a movie. Absolutely. It's hard to make a good movie. It's hard to make a good movie or a bad
0: movie. I totally agree.
1: But these are movies that they're not even trying. Right.
0: OK, I did not like this movie. I will say that. However, yeah. I feel like with a couple of really good rewrites, this movie could be great.
1: Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like you've got almost everything in place to make either a great movie or like a really fun terrible movie yes. that's like you know like goes for it mm-hmm. in a big way
0: yeah how about in the writer's room we throw in a gay person and a woman that's just i'm spitballing here but just two of those people i think we could do better It's all i'm saying
1: it's hard to know who to blame for where things go wrong
0: no 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 it's not it's always men thank you end of story
1: I, I meant in the sense, like, is it the writer's fault? Is it the producer's no, fault? No, 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 no. Yeah, and I'm said, saying like, it's
0: men. It's always men. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Just take your medicine, Josh. Uh, I, I don't, I didn't
1: have anything to do with this movie.
0: <laughs> I don't know that for sure, so just take it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Josh, you seem to have a suspicious amount of, like, uh, of knowledge
0: Josh, do you have anything you want to promote?
1: Um, yeah, I want to promote scimitars, <laughs> uh, Cinnabad? Uh, <laughs> local pickup only for cinnabuns <laughs> and Skimitars.
0: I can't and wait. asps of all varieties. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Josh, it was such a pleasure to have you again. I'm so glad you could do it. Thank
1: you. The pleasure is all mine. No. All mine.
0: (laughs) All right, I'll let you have it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, thank you for listening this week, and I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Asylum Case Studies special thanks to antiquities reseller josh weinstein and a very handsome and talented andy slater our mixer and engineer extraordinaire make sure to visit us at asylumpod.com where you can subscribe to the show in itunes stitcher or wherever so you'll never miss a case study while you're at it if you found any bit of enjoyment in the show we'd appreciate a rating on itunes or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show that would help us out too Unless you're going to be a dick, then and no thank you. So until next time, I'm trust slater and screw the seven C's.